Welcome back to another episode of The 10th Muse. I'm Helena. And I'm Siobhan. And this is the podcast where we talk about a unique collection of women through history that have done pretty amazing things. Yep, that's right. So from artists to activists, scientists to singers, these are not the women you already know. Instead, they're women that we think deserve more recognition and we hope that you enjoy hearing about them as much as we do. Welcome back to another episode of The Tenth Muse. This week we have another mini-sode for you, number three. We are hoping that we'll be back to more regular uploads. It's still a bit sporadic this week. We had some more exams earlier this week. So we're hoping this is back to normal now. (laughs) Until we have breakdowns over shorthand, that'll be our next one. But yeah, so hopefully we can sort of handle portfolios and things and and get this, this going more. But anyway... We are going to jump straight into our third mini-muse, and this week Helena is taking us along for the journey. I have no idea what this is about. She's told me nothing. So, straight over to you, Helena. What is your subject people thing this week, I guess? So, this week for the mini-muse, it's a subject that people who have known me for a while will know that I'm very, very obsessed with this and today we are talking about witches oh shit okay here we go i love witches um (laughs) i I find them really interesting for so many reasons um mainly for the aesthetic god knows i love a witchy aesthetic um but no that's not the only reason i'm going to take you over a little bit of the history of witchcraft in um mainly in england and europe and in the u.s because there was a lot of dramatic stuff that happened. Um, I love it. So I love it. We all know there's been so many portrayals of witches throughout history. There's been obviously more contemporary versions in TV shows and films and books. And then there's the kind of classic witch in fairy tales um, and, you know, comes from plays and mythology and stuff like that. So there's, there's lots of different mm-hmm. types of ideas of what a witch is. One of the earliest records of a witch is actually in the Bible, in the book of Samuel. And in that book, King Saul sought the witch of Endor to summon the the dead prophet Samuel's spirit to help him defeat the Philistine army. And the witch roused Samuel, who then prophesied uh, the death of Saul and his sons. The next day, according to the Bible, Saul's sons died in battle and Saul committed suicide. So that's like the first portrayal of witches um, recorded. Mm -hmm. Um, There's other verses in the old testament that condemn witches and forms of witchcraft as well but witch fever as um it's kind of nicknamed really took hold in europe and the u.s from around the 1400s up until the kind of mid to late 1700s so it was a long period of time and the number of people who were accused and also killed is wildly speculated on i've seen you know the numbers range from about 50,000 way up to 200, 300,000 people accused or killed. It's very uncertain. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the women who were accused of these behaviours were, you know, they were kind of ratted out by their neighbours, by people who didn't like them, and they confessed to witchcraft under torture most of the time. So, Mm -hmm. um, that's that's a key point a lot of this a lot of these confessions to witchcraft is under torture which was actually illegal in um the uk and britain 
for quite a long time. However, it still happened. It happened all around the time of the the English Civil War. Um, so that's like kind yeah, of a I peak didn't know it was time. Illegal. Yeah, it it was illegal. I had no idea. Um, but it obviously still happened because witchcraft was deemed um, a crime, not just by um, the church, which you would think it is, but a crime mm-hmm. against like the constitution, against like the king. So it was kind of accepted that if you were carrying out the king's work and, you know, finding these witches, that, you know, you, you kind of had license to torture people. It was the kind of persecution of witches in Europe was partially spurred on by the publication of a book called um, Malleus Maleficarum, uh, which is a German book, and it translates roughly to The Hammer of Witches, and it was a guide for how to identify, hunt, and interrogate witches. And it was really, really influential because it gave you, like, distinct, like, classifications, um, and it actually outsold the Bible for a 100 years um, in the, in Europe, which is mad. Okay. Um, yeah, madness. So witch hysteria grew in Europe and um, moved across the pond to the US, um, which mm-hmm. at the time, um, so this is, as we said, mid kind of 1500s, 1600s, it was, you know, reeling from wars with the French and the British. There'd been a smallpox epidemic and there was a lot of fear mm-hmm. from attacks um, from Native American tribes on like the colonialists. It kind of built on this landscape of fear and people you know recovering from wars and illness so you may have heard of the Salem witch trials um most people I assume will have done that's kind of the most famous witch trials in the U.S. Mm -hmm. what was interesting about Salem was there was wars with the French and the British colonies so King William in England went to war with the French in their colonies so um, it meant that a lot of refugees came from New York, Nova Scotia and Quebec into Massachusetts. And a lot came to mm-hmm. Salem, Salem Village and Salem Port. So the refugees that came into um, Massachusetts and into Salem and Salem Port, they put a big strain on the resources of the, the area and they aggravated a kind of rivalry between people who had ties to the wealth of the port of Salem and also those who depended on farming because there was a lot of farming still going on um, mm-hmm. in Salem at the time. So this is 1692. So there was a new minister who just kind of come to town recently called Reverend Samuel Paris, um, who was disliked for being pretty rigid and greedy. This is a puritanical society. So to be rigid mm-hmm. in a puritanical society, you're likely to be pretty rigid. Um, <laughs> um yeah, the townspeople were very, very Puritan and they believed that all the quarrelling that was going on was the work of the devil. Mm-hmm. So in January of 1692, Reverend Paris's nine-year-old daughter Elizabeth and her cousin Abigail Williams, um, who was 11, started having fits and a local doctor blamed the supernatural. Mm-hmm. If you've seen The Crucible as well, um, that kind of highlights the, the young girls and how they kind of built on this like cult of hysteria, you know, work together to psych each other up yeah. and, you know, have these fits to like accuse people, which is, you know, mm-hmm. unsure if that's in exactly what happened. Obviously, the crucible is, um, you know, an analogy for McCarthyism in the 60s and 70s. It's still kind of a very same thing. Like they built on this kind of cult of hysteria and, and fear of their society and their surroundings and how they were all Mm -hmm. quarreling and these women these girls maybe they wanted attention 
Who knows? Mm. So another girl, um, Anne Putnam, who was also mm. 11, she started to experience similar fits and they were put under pressure to explain themselves by local magistrates and um, they blamed three women. So they blamed Tituba, who is pretty key. She's the um, Paris's mm-hmm. Caribbean slave and that's, you know, pretty, pretty bad. Mm-hmm. They blamed Sarah Good, who was a homeless beggar, and Sarah Osborne, who was a, an elderly, pretty impoverished woman. Those three women and their circumstances are actually mm-hmm. really important. Um, and I'll kind of talk about that a bit more in a little bit. I just want to get through kind of what happened in, in Salem. The women were interrogated for several days. Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne claimed innocence. However, Tituba confessed and said she and several other women were made to sign the devil's book. She also talked about hallucinations and animals and dogs dancing and things. Obviously, she was likely tortured. Mm-hmm. She was a Caribbean slave accused of witchcraft that's the key thing if you're if you're tortured you're gonna say anything yeah to you know stop being tortured mm-hmm. if these women are potentially yeah. you know not that educated to stop they might not know yeah. the consequences of you know confessing to witchcraft and so they they did so maybe hoping that they might be imprisoned or people might take pity on them Many other women were also yeah. interrogated, um, including uh, a local member of the church, Martha Corey, um, and Sarah Good's four-year-old daughter, mm-hmm. who gave timid answers to questions, which was obviously construed as a confession to witchcraft. Yeah, obviously, because we believe a four-year-old's testimony. Well, on, exactly, uh, and serious it's, matters. It's those two kind of people that stirred up a lot of the hysteria. Because if you can accuse. A, a godly church woman, Martha Corey. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can accuse her of witchcraft and accuse a four-year-old girl of witchcraft, then mm-hmm. kind of anyone can could be a witch. So yeah. it really, you know, riled up a lot of the fear um, in like the town and the region. Mm-hmm. There was a special court set up uh, to hear and decide the fate of the woman. The first brought to the court was called Bridget Bishop. Um, she was described mm-hmm. as being a slightly older woman who was a gossip and promiscuous. So big red flag. That's a red flag if ever uh, we have heard one, ladies. Well, yeah, can't trust her. That's she's she's discounted. God now. forbid um, a woman be promiscuous and a gossip. <laughs> um, and she was the first woman to be hung for witchcraft in Salem. Mm-hmm. So props for the um for the promis- promiscuity as well as the witchcraft. Well, exactly. Get her, get her done for one. Yeah, and, um, crack her on for both. Her. Um, mm-hmm. so you know, and I'll again I'll talk more about the kind of overarching themes at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so shortly after this court was set up and Bridget Bishop, um, was killed. Um, a respected minister wrote to the court to not allow the use of spectral evidence, so claims that the women had seen spectres. Mm-hmm. And then the court just ignored that and continued. And I think there was, you know, five or six women each month for the next three three or so months were, um, yeah. like, condemned and hung. So they, they, mm-hmm. were, they were killed. That same minister who wrote to the court in October, um, he was president of Harvard, and he condemned the use of spectral evidence again, saying it were better that 10 suspected witches should escape than one innocent person be condemned which is you know highly yeah. true and he's he's kind of seeing the the horror and hysteria mm-hmm. that is it's causing it was a little too late though up to 200 women i think had been accused um in salem over this time and 
20 people had been killed for it. So 19 women um, had been hanged and one 71-year-old man was crushed by heavy stones. So, you know, it's it's pretty horrific. Mm-hmm. Shortly after... Um, kind of this all passed in the next few years the colony passed a bill restoring the good names of the accused witches and the families of the people who'd been killed were granted 600 pounds however massachusetts did not formally apologize for what happened in salem until 1957 so it's over 250 years later they ever like formally admitted wrongdoing there's been a lot of writing about what happened in Salem um, at that time. Obviously, we have The Crucible, which is, mm-hmm. you know, a, a great play. If you haven't seen it, you should definitely, definitely go and watch it. It's fab. But also there's a lot of kind of theorizing as to what actually happened. Because it's fair enough to say, like, spectral evidence, you know, it's not enough evidence. But these girls were actually having fits, like, and seizures and screaming out in in pain in front of the courts. So, you know, for a nine-year-old girl to be doing that, you know, even if she had been told to do so by wicked Abigail Williams, as is portrayed in the play, that's very intense. And to put your body through that, it's quite intense. Um, And so one of the explanations for what happened there is that um, they'd been eating food that was contaminated with a fungus called ergot, which caused muscle spasms, delusions, vomiting, and hallucinations. Which yes, is so interesting. I was interesting. hoping you were going to go into this. Yeah. About moldy grain. And how yes. moldy grain might have been. So they, like, yeah, that's that's the maddest fact about the Salem Witch Trials for me, that it all could come down to this grain. It's so interesting. Um, so yeah. at the time, obviously, um, the areas around Massachusetts. Um, in the hot summer was a bit swampy and um, mm-hmm. so the fungus was allowed to grow on their grain, um, on their yeah. rye and their wheat, um, which made up a lot of the foods that they ate at the time. And these girls were, you know, they were basically eating magic mushrooms and going a bit crazy. <laughs> it just was yeah. so wound up with the, the cult of fear and, you know, hysteria at the time and people were... people. Mm-hmm. built on that maybe to kind of bring their rivals down as i said there was the rivalry between um people who had wealth at the port and people who were farmers they were able to bring down people who didn't fit with society mm-hmm. so that that's a key thing and that's why i want to come back a lot to what they were like their characters so tituba is a caribbean slave she's discriminated against for being mm-hmm. like black not christian she yeah. maybe doesn't have an education we d- we don't know but she was a slave and so she was discriminated against and targeted because she was different yeah and as well the two sarahs um mm-hmm. were you know older they were impoverished yeah. sarah good was a a beggar they're outside of society salem yeah is you know a, a key area because there were so many women in that community that were killed um, yeah. and it's a small town and these girls had very physical reactions to witchcraft so they were mm-hmm. it was kind of documented on and stuff the people they were used as like scapegoats for people who were like on the boundaries of society because that's that's a way to explain everything that went wrong if you're scared and mm-hmm you know vulnerable after sickness and not having many supplies due to refugees if you're scared you're gonna want to blame it on something and that's what happened in salem it's mad i, I love that you brought up the grain thing that's my um it's really interesting i've um yeah i found that out so i was, I was just saying to helena before i've 
I've been to Salem. I went there on like a day trip last, no, two years ago. Um, at the end of when I was like traveling around a little bit, I met up with my parents and we were staying in Boston. So we made a day trip out to Salem. And um, yeah, it's like, like you say, it's a tiny little like sort of town. Um, you can walk the length of it. You walk all the way up to like the um, House of the Seven Gables, which is from this book by Nathaniel Hawthorne. And you walk along like the the sea essentially and all that. But there's like a a really interesting um, museum there that I, it's just it's hilarious. They're trying to present the story, I want to and go it's to that. kind of like you go in and you sit in this in a it's like a circular room. You sit in the middle, and then the lights go off, and then there's all sort of um, I guess like dioramas. It's like made up of like mannequins, like wax figures for each stage of the story mm. and it like talks you through the story and each bit lights up nothing moves or anything <laughs> so it's just like you just watch it go around you um but then yeah you go through that museum and it tells you all about it and it's like exactly what you say it's all you know painting fears of of the unknown on weak weaker sort of groups and and all um because you mm-hmm. can kind of get away with it if you're in that biggest if you're in that biggest or at least the most powerful group you get away with it unchecked for a long time and um, yeah, that's exactly what happened there. And it's just mad, isn't it? It's like how now when you talk about it, you're like, well, they obviously weren't witches. Like they they weren't doing anything to these yeah. girls. Like the, a lot of it can come down to like scientific evidence. And then, but it's just obviously the unknown, and they just lashed out basically. Yeah. But you said exactly. you were going to talk about um, England as well. Yes. Because I have no idea beyond Salem, so I'm excited to hear about this. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. The major mass hysteria and witchcraft, um, witch hunts, as I said, started in Europe. There was a little bit to do with the Spanish mm-hmm. Inquisition, but generally across Europe, witch fever, as we so called it, <laughs> yeah, um, like took massive hold. And um, so in the UK, in England, witchcraft was made illegal, um, classed as heresy in 1542, mm-hmm. when Henry VIII was still on the throne. So throughout kind of history just not even that much prior to Henry VIII there were if you have kind of any understanding or knowledge of the Wars of the Roses there were lots of women throughout that were mm-hmm. classed as witches and they weren't burnt at the stake they weren't hung but they were kind yeah. of demonized in society for one there was Anne Boleyn Anne Boleyn was demonized as being a witch shut up yeah yeah um Anne Boleyn um, there was um, Elizabeth of York's mother. So Elizabeth of York is Henry VIII's mother. Right. So Henry VIII's grandmother. Yes. And great-grandmother. Right. His great-grandmother was a woman called Jaquetta, um, who was yeah. from Burgundy, I think, or somewhere in France. The two of them, Jaquetta and the daughter Elizabeth, they were accused of using witchcraft in order to attract the attention of the king and to increase their status and things like that. And maybe they were, maybe they weren't. Who knows? We, <laughs> we love a little charm to, you know, improve your status. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's kind of all throughout history. And then, you know, even Elizabeth I's and Mary Queen of Scots critics some of them were accusing them of witchcraft as well which is interesting that some of mary queen of scots critics were accusing her of witchcraft because james the first of england and sixth of scotland he was the kind of one who really 
drove the witch hunts in England. Mm-hmm. One of the things he did while he was on the throne was release a book called Demonology in 1597, which was basically a book on how to find, interrogate, you know, distinguish witches. It was all about mm-hmm. what witches were and what they did. So he first became obsessed with magic and witchcraft um, after the death of his mother, Mary Queen of Scots. He told his advisors that um, his mother's death had been spoken about in secret by those whose power of sight presented to them a bloody head dancing in the air. So Hmm. people who had the power of foresight, you know, had seen images and visions of a bloody head in the air. And so it was kind of talked about in Scotland um, quite a lot. It's yeah. really interesting that there was um, a lot of the hysteria was really, really rife in Scotland. Um, mm. And I think that kind of comes from the fact that, you know, they're a lot more spread out and there's a lot more kind of history of like paganism and, and things in Scotland as well. Um, so he became even more obsessed with witchcraft when he was betrothed to Anne of Denmark um, because when she tried to cross the sea to come to England... Um, she almost lost her life in a violent tempest. And then when James went across to Denmark to try and bring her back, mm-hmm. the royal fleet was battered by more storms and one of the ships was lost. And when James got back, he immediately placed the blame on witches, claiming that they must have cast spells upon the fleet um, and immediately launched an investigation into witchcraft. And 70 witches were rounded up in the coastal town of North Berwick and were arrested on suspicion of raising a storm to kill James and his new wife. North Berwick is just outside of Edinburgh in um, East Lothian. It's where my cousins live. It's a lovely town. (laughs) Right on the sea. But yeah, so 70 women were accused of being witches. Some of them confessed under torture. Obviously, torture again. And they confessed to casting bizarre and gruesome spells and rituals in order to whip up the storm. Get this including binding the severed genitalia and limbs of a dead man to the legs of a cat and then tossing it into the waves, whereupon there did arise such a tempest in the sea as a greater hath not been seen. Love it. Um, okay. Hilarious. Trying to sort of... Brilliant. Trying to sort of envision... Trying to picture it. What in the hell that is. It's, um... Okay. All right. Fair fair enough. Yep. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> the legs of a cat are not very long. Like, I'm trying to figure out how they did that. I, like, yeah, I, I don't. Anyone listening who thinks they can kind of send us an artist rendition of that, I think we'd appreciate it. Oh yeah, we would love to see that. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. There's um, a famous kind of bit from those trials as well um, where one of the women talked about going to sea in a sieve which is a kind of idea that's directly taken into Shakespeare's Macbeth because mm. he drew on a lot of the fears and suspicions of the time um, to talk about his witches in Macbeth mm. um, which I'll come back to later. Oh, she's, that's, that's called foreshadowing. I know. <laughs> Um, I have the power of sight. <laughs> she's everyone. You can't see um, what I see right now. She's just got out a crystal ball, and um, the, the room's got dark around her. It's quite foggy. Um, there's like a purple haze to the air, and she has the foresight to tell us. I have the power of sight. <laughs> just joking. Um, 
Ha-ha, or am I? <laughs> um, the fact that this demonology, the, you know the book, that the demonology that I talked about before, mm-hmm. the fact that it was um, written by the king made it really influential and hugely popular and inspired Scotland to carry out a very, very vigorous witch hunt. And um, kind of during that time when uh, James was on the throne, um, around 4,000 witches were burnt. Uh, not burnt. Burnt? Maybe burnt. <laughs> They were killed. 4,000. 4,000, which, 4, you know, compared to the size of Scotland, um, at the time it wasn't that densely populated, so that was quite a big yeah, quite a big population. That's a mad number now, though, as well. That's, like, that's mad. Yeah. 4,000 4,000 women. Yeah. I'll give you a little Edinburgh anecdote as well. <laughs> um, oh, those of you who... I'll hit you up with this. Those of you who have been to Edinburgh, or if you haven't, you should go and see it. If you look over through Princess Street Gardens from Northbridge or George the Fourth Bridge and you can look up to um there's the castle up the left or mm-hmm. the right, whichever way you're standing. Um you have the, the National Gallery in the middle and there's these beautiful green gardens in the middle. And they were originally they were at like a lock and the lock was drained to have like the um the gardens there and then when the mound was built in order to provide an easier way from the old town to the new town and then following on from that when the stations were built it just meant that the lock had to be drained however Mm. it's very beautiful there there's lots of flowers and lots of trees beautiful gardens and it's said to be so lush and fertile because um it was pasteurized by the bodies of dead witches Uh, that's a little edinburgh anecdote for you wow okay yeah. That's yeah. Very very interesting. Slights that um that beautiful image I had in my head that I was picturing. You were describing it in beautiful language there and I was I was with you. <laughs> and then you went, There's dead witches under there and that, that kinda of tarnished that image a little bit for me there. <laughs> yeah, 'cause um there were obviously being the capital, lots of witches yeah. were tried and executed in the lock 'cause they there was mm-hmm. that famous um way of telling if you're a witch as they'd um, bind your hands and feet together and chuck you in some water and if you floated and survived you were a witch but if you died you were very innocent and that was yeah. obviously very regrettable really a really foolproof plan that innocent yeah woman. really top-notch yep. thinking there yep. really they really thought that method through i think you know <laughs> very very sad but oh, yeah man. so lots of lots of witches were, were drowned that's there. mad yeah, Scotland is 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 bad for um, has a lot of very dark history, which is very interesting. Moving on down to kind of the rest of England, there was a lot of evidence of witch hunters as well, mm-hmm. um, who worked through primarily the south of England. There isn't really much reference to what happened in the north of England, and that is something I'm very interested to find yeah. out about. So, if any of you listeners know anything about witches in the north, in the northeast. Hit me up because I love a bit of Northeast history, obviously, as we know. <laughs> we never died out. We are just, we're descendants of those witches, of us up north. This is why northern women are a different breed. We're all descended from well, the witches exactly. that got away. This is what I, what I think. I'm really interested to know if, like, because there isn't as much reference to it, there's reference, obviously, to Scotland yeah. and then the south, the south of England. And then some, some in like the northwest. So there's Mother Shipton and then the Pendle witches in Lancashire. Yeah. I wonder if it's just kind of testament to the fact that the northeast and the north is very different from kind of the rest of the UK in terms of there was a 
more like paganism from the vikings kind of started through there yeah you know was brought in from the northeast and i wonder if there's just a little bit more acceptance of kind of religion and and paganism or or just a a want to be different to be like hey the south is trying to tell us what to do so we say screw you but you're right though yeah like that the, the very north of this country and the northeast especially it's like bangs that where you are by, right now basically it, it's kind of like its own yep little country and like ecosystem and like it's its own yes it is <laughs> no it is though isn't it like i'm down obviously like yeah for listeners i'm down in the northwest um out towards i guess towards liverpool there is a very much a north-south divide in the uk in general in england and i think but there's there's more of a divide i think even from people at my way because we think of absolutely where you are as not the south but still south southern yeah the midlands yeah it's 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 so strange when people i know i know (laughs) no but i get that i mean one of my my sister goes to university in scotland and and one of her friends who's scottish gives her her crap all the time about how she's a southerner because it's it is that like if you're there is still very much a, a more of north than where mm-hmm. I am, and and like as much as yeah. I like the fact that I'm a northerner and that I'm a northwest, I fully acknowledge that the more northeast and more north in general you go, it's more of a divide, and there is a very different feel to that sort of part mm-hmm. of the country. I think, and I know that from here. Yeah, where I live in my in my town mm-hmm. in my kind of area of the northeast coast, we are more north than the whole of Dumfries and Galloway. If you look on the map where the border is, yeah. it goes in like an S shape. And Northumberland, in my area, we are further north than all of Dumfries yeah. and Galloway. So that just will, which is massive. It's a whole county in Scotland. Exactly. No, exactly. That sums it up. Yeah. though. Like I think, and I think if you put it in those real terms, like if you look on the map, you can see that. And I think, yeah, that I'd be interested to know why it is that there's not as much history of like witchcraft and and that type of persecution there i wonder what what it is i think you're on the right line maybe i'll do a follow-up in a in a few weeks yeah. i'll come back to this and talk about witchcraft in the northeast helena's gonna use her yeah. her scholarly journalistic english student skills and she's gonna give us a follow-up essay <laughs> yeah so um as i was saying there's a lot of um kind of evidence of these witch hunters in the south of england and um, particularly in east anglia um because people were very very puritan in, in east anglia the most notable witch witch hunter witch finder was an unsuccessful lawyer called matthew hopkins who became known as the witch finder general he claimed to be able to identify witches based on things called witches marks which are things like moles warts um, and even flea bites um, and he would jab them with a jabbing needle that's legitimately what it's called, it's called a jabbing needle, right. to see if these marks were sensitive to pain or not. And if they weren't, if you couldn't feel pain in them, you were apparently a witch. The needle um, that he had was three inches long and it retracted on a spring-loaded handle. So when he jabbed them, the needle would retract into the, the handle. So the women wouldn't feel any pain because there was no needle jabbing them. And it just looked oh, like they were being stabbed. Stop. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, Literally. Right, okay. Also, I would like to say, some scars, you can't necessarily always feel pain in them because often they don't have nerves. Yeah, I was going to say, even things like moles and, yeah, like, depending on how long you've had it, all these different factors, you you don't feel pain in those places. But these these were, like, obviously 
you know, we, we know that now, but yeah, these were markers true. of witches because, again, yeah. they were people that looked different. They looked like old mm. cronies and who, <laughs> you know, had hunchbacks and, you know, warts on the end of their noses and they were different. Yeah. And so, therefore, they were they were persecuted. He actually used this special technique of jabbing women with a spike to extract a lot of money out of the towns in East Anglia, which I think is quite sad. Because he kind of swindled them out of a lot of money on the idea that he was doing good for them. We'll go back to James again. Um, when James took the English throne, because if you don't know, he was first, he was James VI of Scotland. And then when Elizabeth I died, she had no children and had named him as her heir. So that united the kingdoms. And he became James VI of Scotland and James I of England. People in England, they weren't as kind of fanatical about witchcraft and witch findings as they were in Scotland. And in order to kind of reignite the the fire in England, he changed the law to make the first instance of witchcraft punishable by death. So whereas the law had previously meant that in England it was only punishable by death if the witchcraft had caused murder, now it meant that the first instance of witchcraft was punishable by death. So it meant that many more women who were being accused could be killed. Mm-hmm. Building on this reignited hatred of witches, Christopher Marlowe um, was a famous playwright. He published a play called Dr. Faustus, which really shocked audiences to the point that some even claimed to have seen the devil on stage. So, you know, it really exacerbated the fear yeah. and the, the hysteria. Um, and I'm maybe these people were really, really good actors, in which case... <laughs> You know, I think credit to the actors. If you can, if you can claim yeah. that the audience have seen the devil on stage, you must be pretty good. And as I said before, I said a bit earlier, the most famous play about witches during James's reign was Macbeth mm-hmm. by William Shakespeare, which featured four witches leading Macbeth to kill King Duncan and his loyal friend Banquo. So the play didn't just highlight that witchcraft inspired people to murder, but also that it was linked to conspiracy against the state. So that was a key kind of aspect that Shakespeare drew on because he knew that there was a lot of um, suspicion and because it was illegal in the law as heresy, um, he built on that. Um, The play was first performed actually only a couple of months after the gunpowder plot, which was a massive conspiracy um, to blow up the Houses of Parliament. I didn't know that. And to kill the king. So, you know, there was that kind of fear of conspiracy against the state Mm -hmm. at the time. And then he kind of built on that and, yeah, used it to publish his very, very successful play. What I find is really interesting, though, is that throughout all of this, witchcraft and witch hunting is almost directly linked to Christianity and the desire for kind of a Christian domination in Europe and the New World, so in in the US. Um, Because many women accused of witchcraft were either if they weren't like innocent women they were wise women um, and healers yeah which is especially the case in um, far eastern and african countries yeah so in england the witches were linked to pagan religions which were considered heathen and therefore evil it's interesting if we think of pagan religions because many ancient civilizations were pagan So if you look at the Vikings and the ancient Greeks and Romans, all of them made sacrifices, usually with blood, food and wine. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. in order to bring about changes in circumstances by invoking the gods. We don't think of the ancient Greeks and Romans as, you know, savages, but, you know, they, they did make sacrifices using blood. They would sacrifice m- multiple different animals in order to, you know, invoke the gods. So there's the famous part of the Odyssey in before the Trojan War, when the Greeks were setting sail to Troy, the great king Agamemnon killed his daughter, he sacrificed his daughter in order to bring success in the war. And that's, like, horrific. And if that yeah. is not one of the most savage things, I don't know what is. However, they were they were the gods' favourites. They were painted as, you know, just brilliant warriors in that. And it's just really interesting, the kind of willingness to forget the fact that the founders of the modern world, the Greeks and the Romans, they had the same practices as many of these witches that, you know, people were trying to eradicate. Yeah. It's highly likely that these women, you know, who were accused of witches were using holistic medicine, things like herbs and roots to cure minor ailments, which we knew now that, like, lots of modern medicine comes from plant life. You get penicillin from, like, mold and fungus. There's certain types of berries that act as like painkillers and you know enable you to like perform surgery and things so yeah yeah it's really interesting that a lot of the modern medicine comes from you know all these plants and the the practices that many of the pagan wise women would have been using at the time because they weren't evil they were just trying to help some of the the wise women they would act as midwives and they would help women have babies or sometimes not have babies they would help them have abortions yeah, using yeah. certain roots and and berries if you want to take the christian argument that's you know taking the power away from god and trying to play god because you're diverting the natural order so you know that is pretty drastic and heretical mm in kind mm. of ancient societies. So it just so happens that many of these women were educated and tried to help the more vulnerable in society. Mm. And as a result, they were discriminated against and tried as witches and hung and burned at the stake, drowned. It's almost like peak fragile masculinity. <laughs> you know, at the very peak of when fragile masculinity yeah. was at its most fragile. Mm-hmm. Women who were educated and or you know, promiscuous or not Christian mm. were accused as being agents of the devil and so had to be killed. Um, yep. And that is a brief history of witches in yes. Europe and the US. And I really hope yes. you found that interesting because I love yeah. it. It's something I'm really passionate about. You can tell. Thank you. I, I hope so. It's just, it's so ironic that when you, when you think of like the ancient societies using potions and herbs and things and you know, where our medicine comes from and it's these women who were using these practices and they were persecuted for it yeah and women or people because it was men as well some men were um tried as witches as well yeah. you know people who were on the outskirts of society they were vulnerable they were poor they weren't white you know they weren't christian mhm yeah it's it's mad. It's it's very interesting. No, I love that. I think you can you can definitely tell it's something you're really interested in. I think like everything we've discussed, you can kind of tell where our biggest passions lie. It's funny because I think I think because my degree was to do with America, like I know about Salem and stuff, but I I find increasingly that I need to learn more 
English history. Obviously, I have a grasp of like the general, like major things. A lot of the context clues you were giving during that, I I know of. Mm-hmm. But when you get mm-hmm. down to very specifics in terms of you know like the witch trials and things in England, like I I don't have that. I think I have quite a good grasp of of American history, Canadian history, and then for me, I I'm quite good with my Irish history. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm good at you know English history in conjunction with Ireland and and treatment there. But yeah, I think you've inspired me to to sort of learn a bit more about where I come from as well. Um, mm. Yeah, no, I, it was really good. I enjoyed that, Helena. That was, yeah, that was good. You might be interested to know that in the whole of Europe, Ireland persecuted the least amount of witches. You see, they're just they're just Very the interesting. best. You know, Germany persecuted the most. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, see, that surprises me in a way. I, I would have put it as more... I guess it is kind of a Christian country, though, Germany. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know where I would have pinpointed as the most. Probably, like, England, I guess. Or But then I, even you were saying it's yeah. more Scotland in, in to do with England and, and Scotland. Yeah, well, I think Scotland had a, a higher concentration compared to how kind of small the population was. Yeah. Um, it, oh, it yeah, It was more true. fervid in its attitude, whereas England was a... You know, it was still pretty fervid, um, but by the end of Elizabeth's reign, it had started to kind of yeah. peter out a bit. I love English history, but I love this kind of side of it that we don't see. Yeah. Like, it's it's really interesting learning about kings and queens and battles, and I, I like I think, the kind of anthropological side of it. Yeah, no, definitely, and I think it's also interesting to see the sort of trends and things that started in England and translated over to either, you know, colonies or places that were now free from England. Um yeah, like it's funny to me that the 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 most famous example of witchcraft generally that people have heard of is Salem, but actually the numbers there, when you get down to it, like it wasn't that many people killed within Salem. It's the fact that it all happened in such a very concentrated Short area. Short space of time. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when yeah. you when you go there, there is like memorials to to the the witches, supposed witches, I guess, that that died, and it's not an overwhelming number when you see that all the names written down but then you think well this was really like close together and it's still a lot of people who did not deserve it mm-hmm. so it's, it's kind of mad to think that you you focus on one area like that when actually it was a really widespread problem all over the world so or at least yeah. in, the, in the west um yeah no good job that was really interesting thanks really good. um listeners if you have any interesting things to add about witches please let us know i love reading about witches and finding out about more of them so yeah. hit us up at the instagram account our twitter account and our email our instagram account is at 10th muse pod as is our twitter and siobhan's gonna tell you what our email is because i can't remember it <laughs> it is 10th muse podcast at gmail.com um, and yeah, I think both of them, other ones, if you search 10th Muse Pod, will come up. We're about the only podcast with that name. Well, we are the only podcast with that name. So, um, hell yeah. yeah, we are. Just search that one and that'll come up. Yeah, but let us know. Um, and yeah, any more ideas for mini episodes? Like, is there a theme or a historical movement or anything? A group of women? Um, yeah. We always are open to suggestions. So that's, that's, yeah, definitely. As always. Lastly, yeah. I want to ask you what is your favorite portrayal of witches is it like harry potter witches is it charmed is it you know the craft is it something else entirely tell me what's your favorite i don't know i was raised on on harry potter so that is oh my favorite fictional witch ever will be professor mcgonagall 
from Harry Potter or Hermione from Harry Potter. They were like my strong female role models when I was reading them growing up. However, do have a lot of love in my heart for not the remake, the original Sabrina the Teenage Witch was like mm. my one. Um, I'm trying yeah. to think... Oh, the only oh you. I wonder if you read this. If you like witches, I the the one of the series of books I really enjoyed growing up. And there is a picture of me somewhere dressed as the main character from it, which I'll try and find. Um, uh-huh. and we'll put it on I don't know Instagram story or something. Um, I used to dress as a for book day, world book day, and fun runs and things like this when I was in primary school. Was there's a series of books about like it was the worst witch. I love the worst witch <laughs> so much. And, yeah. I used to, I saw something recently about the worst witch. It's, I don't it know if it's going to be a remake or, or something. Yeah, yeah. Was... Yeah, but I feel like there's going to be another remake. Oh, okay. Or maybe I'm imagining that. I yeah. I love we the worst witch so oh, much. Yeah, I loved it. I yeah. I have picture. I, I'll find that picture of you, Helena, because it's yeah. it's a classic. Um, but oh, yeah. brilliant. And what about you? Love what it. was your favorite? So my my favorite portrayal is uh, the 1998 film Practical Magic, starring Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman. Uh, it's brilliant. If you yeah. haven't seen it, it's re- it's just really good. It's about two sisters, um, and they live with their I think it's their aunts who are witches, and it's just so cool. They have like a little house, and they do all their little you know witchcraft around the house. And yeah, it's it's great because um, it kind of it starts off the very like innocent and like they have a kind of apothecary kind of potion shop in the town and then um yeah. Nicole Kidman's character gets led astray and she becomes a little bit evil yeah it's really good it's such a good film oh Everyone there are so many it. good like f- like now I'm sat thinking about it there's so many good like sort of pop culture portrayals of witches just so many films and like Hocus Pocus and all stuff like that Hocus Pocus is great how um, many we we could just sit here listing them now. Um, yeah, the craft yeah. as well. The craft is is a really great one about like yeah. teenagers. And there was obviously as I, as I mentioned before, there's the Crucible. Um, if you can't see the play or haven't seen the play, um, there's a really great film starring Daniel Day Lewis and Winona Ryder as Abigail Williams. And oh, Winona. Winona Ryder, I think I think that started my my peak of love for Winona Ryder. So <laughs> alongside. My all-time fave, Kira Knightley. Here we go. One of my other Everyone favorite actresses is Winona Ryder. Love her yeah. so much. There's a way, listeners, that Helena's gonna get Kira Knightley into every episode of this show. I every will. I want to. I, I wonder if we have so far because it, it's really not intentional. It's really not intentional. <laughs> it just happens. I'm gonna get her on this podcast one day. When we when I we say to you now, eventually. Are, are like you know world famous podcasters and we make merch for this show it's the first thing's going to be a t-shirt that just says Kira Knightley <laughs> we love Kira Knightley we... I'm going to tweet her and send her all the episodes of the podcast mm, yeah that's that's Helena's new admission now she's going to get it in every single one but yeah, yeah. I think that that's a good wrap up then on your love of Kira Knightley great and, uh, yeah we'll hope see everybody everyone. enjoyed yeah oh we did I, I did anyway so everyone will <laughs> Um, but yes, from next week we'll be back to Fridays. We're recording and releasing consecutive Fridays, so hopefully we can be a bit more consistent from now on. We'll yeah. be back after this one with another full episode, um, which I love doing. We really got into our groove last week, so if you haven't listened to our yeah. one on um, 
the 10th century Vikings and the uh, LGBTQ activism in the Castro district in San Fran. Go and check that out because it is the best one yet. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely our strongest, I reckon. So we're going to keep going with those. We will see you next week, hopefully. Hope you enjoy this one and let us know what you think as usual. Bye. Bye.